Thanks for watching today. I pray that the message you're about to hear will empower you to use your voice, help change the way that you think, and refresh your spirit. If you'd like to follow along with Pastor's Notes, you can find them on the on-demand page of walkingbyfaith.tv or on our app. Today we are finishing our series, Valleys and Peaks, with our message, Entrapment. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter 5.8, be on your guard and stay awake. Your enemy, the devil, is like a roaring lion sneaking around to find someone to attack. Verse 9 says, but you must resist the devil and stay strong in your faith. Pastor is teaching us all about the traps the devil will try to set for us and how there's deliverance in the name of Jesus. Today, we are talking again about temptations, tests, trials, and deserts. And uh, I wanna just take a few scriptures uh, kind of as a springboard before we, we jump in. First of all, in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13, it says, no temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. Uh, what we tend to feel is that the temptations that we face are stronger, they're deeper. We think nobody's ever felt what I felt. Nobody's ever had the pull that I have towards this thing. But the truth is, there's 10,000 people within 20 miles of here who've felt everything you've ever felt and have been tempted in exactly the same way that you've been tempted. We think that we've got some VIP temptation, but the truth is, they're common. The devil doesn't have a bag of new tricks. It's the same tricks he's been using for 6,000 years. He may present it in a different way. Technology allows him to present some things differently than he did in the past, but the temptations are the same temptations. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. In other words, the fact that the temptation comes means that God knows victory is possible for you. You cannot be tempted in a way that you cannot overcome. Flip Wilson said, the devil made me do it. He's a liar. You understand that? The devil cannot make anybody do anything. When Jesus arrives in the area of the Gadarenes, there is a man there who has a legion, 6,000 demons. The Bible says he lives among the tombs. He wears no clothes. He cuts himself. Day and night, he's running around. He's screaming. And when he saw Jesus, Mark's gospel brings the fact he ran, he fell at Jesus' feet, and he worshiped him. 6,000 demons were telling him to go in the other direction. But he realized, if I can get to Jesus, I can be free. If I can get to Jesus, there is help for me. So some of the things that we've talked about is one of the missing ingredients in so many people's lives is the fear of the Lord. The Bible says the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. And the fear of the Lord is to turn away from evil. When we fear God, and now this is not a, like an afraid fear. This is a reverential fear. But when we fear God, we turn away from evil. Um, in the book of Nehemiah is rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. He's the governor of the area. And he says, I gave the responsibility of governing Jerusalem to my brother. And I love what it says. He was a faithful man and feared God more than most. He feared God more than most. You know, it, to have a position of responsibility and to not fear God is a recipe for disaster. It is a recipe for disaster. We need people in, in positions of political authority that have the fear of God. You see, and when you don't fear God, Anything, anything is, is acceptable. Then we talked about the grace of God. 
Now, the Bible tells us in Titus, the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, and it teaches us to say no, right? So the grace of God is not what many people think it is. It's not a license to do something and then just say, oh, God, cover it. Grace, grace will cover it. Now, God's grace teaches us to say no. And that not only teaches us, the true grace of God enables us to say no. So, so many people don't understand grace. And both the fear of the Lord and grace from God are things that we should ask God for. Ask God for it. Um, not only is it, does it come by asking, but the apostle Paul, he's writing to the Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians 1 verse 2, he says, grace and peace. He speaks it. He speaks grace and he speaks peace to people. And it's one of the things that we should pray for, but it's also something that we should be speaking over one another. Now, in Psalms 101, uh, I've got the ESV here, that translation. It says, I will ponder the way that is blameless. Oh, when will, I, when will it come to me? I will walk with integrity of heart within my house. I will set nothing wicked before my eyes, anything that's worthless. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me. A perverse heart shall be far from me, and I will know nothing of evil. Uh, one, of the, one of the traps of the enemy is to tell you, well, you just ought to try it and just check it out. In fact, if, if, you, if you do that, then you'll understand it. But notice he says, he says, I will know nothing evil. I mentioned this last week, but your, your body is not a Christian. Your body is crazy. When you become a Christian, you don't get a new body, right? You get a new spirit. In fact, Romans 7 verse 23 says, the law of sin abides in your members or in your body. So your body will not get saved until Jesus comes back. That's why sin is so dangerous, right? You try it and your body will like it, right? And the Bible says that sin has cords and it literally wraps its cords around a person. And that person literally says, this is what they say. They say, hey, you know, I'll never do that again. And four days later, they do it again. And then they say, I'll never do that again. And three days later, they do it again. And then they say, I will never do that again. But next week, they do it again. And you say, why is that? That's because the cords of sin, the cords of sin have wrapped themselves around that person. And they think, here's what happens. You see, you start listening to your spirit. And in your spirit, you've got the life and you've got the nature of God. And in your, your spirit is never going to cooperate with sin. But the problem is, most people are not led by their spirit. They're led by their flesh. See? And so what happens is your spirit says, no, we're never going to do that again. But the cords of sin. Hey, he said, I will know nothing of evil. He said, I'm not going to check it out. I'm not going to try it. He said, I'm going to stay away from it. Now, he said, I'll set nothing worthless before my eyes. He said, I, I it won't let it cling to me. 
what you see, I want to say, I'm going to take just a moment here. What you see clings to you. Right? What you see clings to you. In Ezekiel, it says this. It says, but she increased her harlotry. She looked at men portrayed on the wall, images of Chaldean. This was, this was Old Testament pornography, right? But when, when she looked, it increased. Desire increased, right? See, listen, seeing creates desire. We'll say it again. Seeing creates desire. That's why the psalmist said, I will know nothing of evil. I will set nothing before my eyes, anything that's worthless. What happens is this. A man looks at pornography. He sees things there. How can I say this? They're not normal. They pay some woman outrageous sum of money to do it. But he sees it, and it creates an appetite. And he goes home, and he says, honey, this is what I want. Where did that desire come from? You are so quiet. <laughs> you know where it came from? It came from what he saw. There's like this, this almost epidemic of young people saying, you know, I'm bisexual, I'm homosexual. Now, they've never done anything in their life, right? But they've seen something. They've seen something, right? And it creates desire. It creates desire. So, so the psalmist said, I will put nothing wicked before my eyes. He said, he said I won't let it cling to me because he understands the things that you see create desire. They cling to you. So, so he goes on there, and, he, and as he ends, and he says, I will know nothing of evil. He, Jesus said, he said, now, you be as wise as a serpent. He says, but you be as harmless as a dove when it comes to the things of this world. He says, you don't need to know all that stuff, right? Because when you start watching stuff, it creates desire on the inside of you. And, and we're, we're literally, we're, we're dealing with it at an epidemic proportion. You're drawn towards what you see. I, I tried to think of an example of, of this, but the best one I, I came up with was years ago, when our kids were younger, uh, several times we, we went out west camping, and uh, the kids were into mountain biking. I loved to bike, but I wasn't much of a mountain biker. And uh, we'd go out and we're camping and, and they had these trails that you could go on for miles and miles and miles. So we're, we're biking, I'm biking with a couple of the boys and we get to a hill going down this mountain switchbacks on our mountain bikes and, and they're gone. Understand? I mean, they are gone. So I'm trying to catch up to them. And, and I, there was this, this corner coming up, and there was this rock that I wanted to be sure to avoid. So I'm looking at the rock, and you know what happened, don't you? I went where I looked. I went where I looked. I hit. I got pretty messed up, you know. My, I hurt my 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 wrist, and it was hurt for a couple of years on on that particular fall that I had enough of. 
trying to keep up with those young studs, you know. <laughs> but you go where you look. He, he said it's creating a desire. He says, so I'm not going to put anything that's wicked before my eyes. He said, it will not cling to me. Now, you've got something clinging to you. There's deliverance. There is deliverance in Jesus' name. And we're going to talk about some of the things that need to happen. In a different translation, it says, I will try to walk a blameless path. But how I need your help. How many will say that? I need God's help. All right? Especially in my own home, where I long to act as I should. No matter what God's doing in us, how I many of you know the first place it ought to work is at home? You know, again, when Moses is on his way to deliver the Israelites, the Bible says God met him in the encampment and sought to kill him. And the reason was, God was Moses was going to deliver God's covenant people, but he had, didn't even have the sign of the covenant on his own family. He hadn't circumcised his own kids. And God said, look, before I'm going to use you to, to, to deliver the covenant people, he says, you need to be walking in the covenant. The number one place that, that, that what's going on on the inside of us needs to show up is at home. Again, different translation, same verse. A perverse heart shall be far from me. He said, I will know nothing of evil. The devil says, try it experiment. Then you'll know what you're talking about. It's a trap. It is a trap. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 are the two most important verses in the entire Bible when it comes to New Testament Christian living. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I want to talk to you about them for just a couple minutes. Um, I've got the classic Amplified that I want to start with. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and I beg you in view of all the mercies of God to make a decisive dedication of your bodies, to make a decisive dedication of your bodies, presenting all of your members and faculties as a living sacrifice, holy, devoted, consecrated, and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable service and spiritual worship. Now, that's verse 1. And what it says that you and I are to do is we are to present or dedicate our bodies to God, all our members and faculties. I've heard it's my body. I'll do what I want to. No, the Bible says your body belongs to God. That you were bought with a price. And now the Bible says you need to dedicate your body to God. And, and this is something I do almost every day. Right? And say, God, I give you my body today. Now, notice what he says. He says it's your spiritual worship. You know, we tend to think of worship as we're singing, we're clapping, we lift our hands, maybe we, we get on our knees. And those, those, are, those are, are types of worship. But notice your spiritual worship is you take your body and you say, God, I dedicate my body to you. I give all of my members of my body to you to serve you, 
Now, it says to make a decisive dedication. What I found out, it doesn't work for me if I look back 20 years. I got to do this again and again and again and again and again and again. And remember, it's your body that's crazy. So what the Bible is saying, he says, it's going to be a living sacrifice. Now, normally, when there's a sacrifice, you kill it, and then you burn it. But the Bible says what you're going to do with your body is it's going to be a living sacrifice. In other words, you're going to say to your body, your spirit's going to say no, and your body's going to go, I want it. And you're going to say no. And it's going to go, ah! And you're going to say no. And you know what the Bible calls that? Worship. That's worship, right? Spiritual worship. When, when you let your spirit dominate your body because your body belongs to God and you've given your body to God and you say, God, this body is to serve you. We, we really cannot have a victorious Christian life without Romans 12, verse 1, without dedicating our bodies to God. And again, not just one time, but like every day, dedicate your body to God. Right. Now, verse 2, don't be like the people of this world. But let God change the way you think. Now, really, the purpose of the Bible is to change the way that you think. The culture is going to go one way. Tradition is going to go a certain way. Family is going to go a certain way. But the way that you and I are supposed to go is God's way. So David said in Psalms 119, verse 128, he said, I consider your precepts, your word, concerning all things to be right. So when society says one thing and God's word says something else, God's right. When the Supreme Court says one thing and God says, says, God's word says something else, God's right. God is right. When you have people that have no fear of God trying to tell us what's right and what's wrong, they're as messed up as can be. The Bible says it like this. They call light darkness and darkness light, and they call bittersweet and sweet bitter. They don't understand. So what we're supposed to do is first dedicate our bodies, but then we're supposed to let God change the way we think. In fact, the Bible tells us that when you come to God, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, if anyone is in union with Christ, in Christ, you're a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So literally, when we become a Christian, we need God to introduce us to ourselves, Because the old has passed away and all has become new. But God wants to change the way that we think. Now, when Jesus went to the cross, shed his blood, died, and redeemed you, the part of you that, that, that when you come to Jesus, the part of you that gets saved is your spirit. 
It's the, 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 the inner person that you are. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23 says, May the very God of peace sanctify you completely. This is your entire being. Spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless under the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when you receive Jesus, God does something in your spirit. That part of you becomes new. But your mind is not new. You can still think the same dumb things you used to think. Right? In fact, if you don't change the way you think, you're going to keep thinking the same dumb things you used to think. So the Bible says, but let God change the way you think. So your mind, listen, or as the Bible calls this, your soul is in the process of being saved. Now, you know, somebody receives Jesus and we say, oh, a soul was saved. No, the soul wasn't saved. The spirit was saved. Uh, James chapter 1, verse 21 says, to receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. So he's talking to Christians and he says, the word of God is able to save your souls. In other words, the word of God can change the way that we think. And when it changes the way we think, then our souls or our minds are getting saved. So your spirit was saved. Your soul should be in the process of being saved. And your body will be saved when Jesus comes back. Right? So you were saved, you're being saved, and you will be saved. So we need to change the way we think. Um, we were still in the other, other building, and I, I could give other illustrations, but I really think this is the best one. After a service, I was hanging around the way I usually do up front, talking to people and praying for some people. A man came down the aisle, and it was obvious he was waiting for everybody to leave. And then he came up, and, and by the time he walked up and started to talk to me, there were literally, there were tears in his eyes. And he said to me, Pastor, he said, I'm committing adultery. He says, I have been for a couple of years. He said, uh, I don't want to. He said, but I just can't quit. He said, will you please pray for me? And uh, I said to him, I said, I'll pray for you, but it won't do any good. And that kind of shocked him, well, which was what I was wanting to do. Even shocking, shocking. Now, the Bible says to be transformed or to be changed by the renewing of your mind or by changing the way you think. Uh, you, you can have an addiction and have it for 20 years or 30 years or 40 years or 50 years, and you can pray about it, but it will not change. Right? Because the Bible says the way that you change your behavior is by changing the way you think. Don't be like this world, but be transformed, be changed by the renewing of your mind or by changing the way you think. So I, I said to this man, I, I, I said, uh, I'll pray for you, but it won't do any good. And he was kind of shocked. And, and I said, I, I gave him this verse. I said, now, if, if you want to be free, you need to change the way you think. I said, so here's what you should do. I said, every day, I want you to read Proverbs 5 and Proverbs 7. Now, those are the two chapters in Proverbs that talk about the consequences of sexual sin. 
And then I don't remember the exact wording that I gave him, but then I said, there's two more things you need to do every week. Is you need to read the story of Samson, right? And what sexual sin cost Samson. And then read about King David when he committed adultery and the consequences of what happened. I said, and I believe that if you will do that and keep doing that, I said, you will change the way you think. And if you, you let the Bible change the way you think, it says it'll change the way you live. So literally, when we become a Christian, God does something in our spirit. But he wants us to do something with our mind. Let God change the way you think. How? With the word of God. With the Bible. Right? Hearing Bible teaching. It'll change the way that you think. But then also, God wants us to do something with our body. Because Jesus is going to save your body when he comes back. Right? Those that are alive are changed instantly. Those that have died, the Bible says that God's going to resurrect. So there's going to be a salvation of the body. But it doesn't happen until Jesus comes back. But what you and I need to do right now every day is we need to present our body. Present our body to God. And the Bible says that's our spiritual worship. Now, different translations say this differently. At the end of the verse, like the King James Bible says, that you may know what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Now, once you, you renew your mind with the word of God, you know the will of God. I can't tell you how many times people have come up to me and said something like this. Well, I just don't know what the will of God is. But when you renew your mind, the Bible says you will know the will of God. You'll know the will of God. So God does something with our spirit. We renew our mind with the word of God. We accept the fact that every time God says something about anything, he's right. Right? And we're wrong. And then we present our bodies as a living sacrifice. In other words, your body's going to say no, but how many know your spirit's supposed to be in charge? And your spirit takes dominion over your body and says no, no. Now, one of the things that helps this process, all right, is something that we don't talk about a lot in, in church today, but it's fasting. It's telling your body no. Fasting is simply telling your body no. While at the same time, you pursue something spiritual. Now, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 says, I discipline my body. And I bring it into subjection. Now, notice he says I. Who's I? The spirit man. That's the I. He said, I discipline my body. I bring it. You see, your body is not you. Your body is it. Your body is the house the real you is living in. And remember, that body has been purchased with the blood of Jesus. The Bible says you are not your own. Therefore, glorify God. Where? How? In your, your bodies. In your bodies. Well, the only way that happens is when we take dominion. The spirit man takes dominion. Paul said, again, I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection. 
least when I've preached to others, he said, I myself could be disqualified. In other words, this is what Paul, remember, he wrote almost half of the New Testament. 13 out of 27 books. He went to heaven, talked to Jesus, came back, greatest apostle. And this is what he said. He said, I have problems with my body. And if I don't discipline my body, he said, I will do crazy stuff. Uh, I'm kind of off my subject, but let me just, just one last thought. Uh, Some, I, I've heard people say this about particular people that are very visible in the Christian world that, that uh, stumble in some area. And they say, how in the world could they do that? How could they do that? Well, let me explain it to you like this. God anoints somebody to minister, but he doesn't anoint anybody to live. In other words, God anointed Billy Graham to minister, but he didn't get any special anointing to resist sin. He had to resist sin exactly the same way that you and I resist sin. So you're anointed to minister, but you're not anointed to live. And, and we might look at somebody and think, how could they fail? Well, they failed because they didn't do the same thing that every one of us have to do. Right? We've got to renew our minds. We've got to present our bodies. And we have to have our spirit taking dominion and controlling our life. Control over our body. That's a living sacrifice. And that body's going to say sometimes, hey, that's what I want. And your spirit's going to say, shut up. No, that's not what I want. That's what the body wants. That's what it wants. And see, your body is just the house you live in. In fact, we could actually say that your body is your earth suit. Okay? If you're going to go out to the moon, you've got to have a space suit. You don't have a space suit, you can't go. To live on this earth, you need an earth suit. So take good care of it. Right? Because once it dies, you have to leave. You're gone. So, but that body needs to be continually submitted to God. Right? Spiritual worship. Our minds need to be changed. Let God change the way that you think. Don't be like the world, but be transformed. Now, the, the, the Greek word that's used there is the word that we get metamorphosis from. It's like a caterpillar becoming a butterfly. God says, your mind can be radically, totally changed as we let God change the way that we think. I want to thank you for being with us today. And you know, the Bible says this. It says, we've written these things to you that you may know that you have everlasting life. So many people, they believe in God. They believe Jesus arose from the dead, but they don't know that they have everlasting life. If you're not sure you're forgiven, right with God, on your way to heaven, you're not where you should be with God. Now, in Romans 10, the Bible says, whosoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And right before it, it gives us really the way to call on the name of the Lord. It says that if you will confess with your mouth Jesus as your Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So I want to lead you right now in a prayer. 
to call on the name of the Lord to be saved. If you're away from God, you're not right with God, you don't know where you stand with God, this is for you. So I'm gonna invite you, pray this prayer. I want you to repeat these words out loud from your heart. Just say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins and I believe he rose again. I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I hold nothing back. Jesus is my King. Jesus is my Lord. I'm gonna live for him. And I thank you, you've heard my prayer that I'm forgiven, a part of your family, today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, if you prayed that prayer from your heart, God heard that prayer and you were right with God. You're on your way to heaven. Now, I wrote a book to help you keep on growing spiritually. All the information is right there on your screen. You can download that book for free. Or if you need a hard copy, contact us and we'll send it to you free of charge. Thank you so much for being with us. We love you. We pray for you. God bless you. If you prayed that prayer with Pastor Duane, you are making one of the best decisions of your life, and we're so excited for you. Just as Pastor Ed said, we'd love to send you a free copy of his book, Your New Life. Log on to walkingbyfaith.tv and have it mailed to you. Download it right there instantly, or you can find it on our app. It's absolutely free and a great resource for you to have. Walking by Faith is used on and off the air to change the lives all around the world. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, please consider becoming a partner with us. You can now text WBFGIVE to 1-888-364-GIVE. Visit walkbyfaith.tv slash give or click on the giving icon in our app. Find us on Roku, Amazon Fire TV, and your favorite social platform by searching WBF TV. Also, check out our app in your favorite app store. You can download past sermons, follow along with notes, be confessions over your life, and so much more. I pray when you are in the face of temptation that 1 Peter 5.9 will come to mind. You must resist the devil and stay strong in your faith. We'll see each other next time.